everyone, and welcome to season four of Policy Wise. I'm Demi Wack, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Mahet Kondrew. And not here with us is our globetrotting co-host, Eleanor Arsbacher, who is currently in French Polynesia saving the planet. But don't worry, we have a very special message from her that we'll share in a bit. Until then, we wanted to tell you about the exciting season ahead of us. As always, we'll be talking about policy and the biggest issues facing our world today. But this season, we'll be switching up how we do that. We'll be speaking with people who are experts in their fields, policymakers, and everyday people who are making a difference in their communities. But we'll also be taking the opportunity to do deep dives into areas that interest us the most. This means that I'll be talking to you about things that align with my interests. PolicyWise is focused on political literacy, so I will be giving you what you need to know in order to understand topics um, related to policy and general political topics on an international level relating to the UN. But in addition to international topics, there are other areas that are more applicable to state and federal politics that I'll also be going into specifically regarding our education system, which has been an area of interest of mine that I've gone into on PolicyWise. In addition to that, we'll also be breaking down in my deep dives how to research and understand candidate stances on issues, uh, what different propositions mean, basically whatever you need to become a more informed voter. Overall, you can expect a more informative format than what was previously done. And I'll be talking to people who have direct involvement in supporting services that contribute to meeting people's basic needs. More specifically, I'll be discussing the challenges and barriers that individuals face in accessing basic necessities such as food and shelter and healthcare and education, and the ways in which professionals can work to address those issues. I also hope to discuss the importance of addressing the root causes of these challenges, such as poverty, inequality, and discrimination, as well as the role that policy and systemic change can play in ensuring that everyone's basic needs are met. And then Ellie will bring us some expertise on environmentalism and sustainability. In fact, before we dive even deeper on what this season is going to look like, here is our very own foreign correspondent, Ellie, on what she's been up to. Hey, everyone. This is Ellie. I'm calling in from Berkeley, California, where I just got back from my study abroad in Morea, French Polynesia, where I was the last three months as part of this awesome program through Berkeley called the Island Sustainability Program. So I got to spend the last few months out in Oceania learning all about coral reef resilience and Polynesian culture and environmental management. So I'm super excited to report back to you all about some of the amazing things that I've gotten to experience while taking a little season break. But I'm super excited to be back for season four, and I'm particularly excited for everyone on the team to get to delve into all of their unique interests with the different series that we're going to be having this season. So I personally can't wait to share more about environmentalism and sustainability with all of you guys, um, and also to watch Demi and Mahek do the same with all of their respective topics. So as you could probably guess, my special episodes are going to be a deep dive into all things environmental. So I'm going to go from breaking down the issue of food waste in America, to the importance of community organizing, to sharing my experiences doing some conservation work while I was abroad. So I'm really hoping to give all of you guys an in-depth look at our beautiful planet, some of the issues we're currently facing, and where we need to go from here. So I'm just so excited and can't wait to share season four with all of you, and now I'll throw it back to Demi and Mahek. Thank you, Ellie. Now let's talk more about what this season is going to look like. Demi, do you want to get started? Yeah, I will go ahead and get started. In terms of what I'm most excited for this season, I am really interested to see how our new approach will lead to, I think, a lot more conversations about topics that we are individually really 
passionate about. So for example, looking at my own sort of topic range, I'll be talking about the basic needs of people, not just in the US, but globally. And I'm excited to do this to sort of just like draw comparisons around what these different things are, how they relate in different contexts, and how people around the world get their different needs met in different ways. But but a lot of those needs remain consistent across different places and looking at different ways that we can support growth and improvement into making people more secure generally. But with that, I'm also really excited to see how there will be parallels across your and Ellie's conversations. So I think just looking back to what you'll be talking about, I think in terms of education, there's going to be a pretty clear parallel into the ways that people's needs are met, especially if you're looking at different ways of meeting education that is outside of what would be like a typical school system. And so looking at the ways that people learn and then how people get their information, I just think it's going to be really nice to just draw across and, and to speak to you and to speak about the different people that you bring on to see how we can sort of draw conclusions and hopefully get to have like new exciting conversations. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot to look forward to and I'm just really grateful to be able to share that with my amazing co-hosts. What about you, Mehak? I was just thinking as you were saying this, I I love that we're going to be talking about education so much. And I love that you brought up education just as another word for information. I think people forget that. We think of education traditionally as what you learn in a textbook or in a classroom setting at school. But at its core is just acquiring information. Like a way of thinking about it is going to a new city and knowing someone there and being able to adjust to the city better because you know the person there as opposed to going to the city and not knowing anyone. When you know someone, they can tell you where the library is or where like the pharmacy is or where um, certain restaurants are. And so you can navigate your life in the city better. And so I think that it kind of tells you a little bit about what type of a tool education can be. I'm excited to have conversations about what type of education can empower people who are interested in different types of work, who are in different types of scenarios. And I do think it's going to overlap a lot with Ellie's topics regarding the environment because there are a lot of industries that are related to interactions with the environment, such as like the agriculture industry that also on a global level requires a different form of education in order to adjust to climate change and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of connects. Are there specific topics in international relations that you think you will want to focus on in the context of basic needs. How do you define universal rights? This, these are two completely separate questions, but I like these questions a lot. So I think in terms of international stuff and in terms of like basic needs and, and where I see there being a lot of parallels and like where my interests are, I think I'm interested in seeing how formal and informal institutions aid sort of the delivery of various types of welfare. So I think a good example of this and one that like I hope to get to focus on in more depth in like an actual episode would be looking at like the delivery of food through schools. So feeding programs, you know, providing students with free school meals, uh, which I think, you know, if you're in the U.S., this may be something that you've been in contact with. It's definitely something that I feel like there is a lot to explore, not just in terms of the way that it links to educational outcomes, but the way that it also links to other health outcomes, social outcomes, and overall well-being. And I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that, see when maybe it works, when it doesn't work, and then looking at other ways in which people are getting maybe like food delivered in that setting, how it can be more effective. So that's just one example there. And then I think in terms of your second question, which was how and wait, correct me if I'm wrong, the heck, but it was how I would define international human rights. 
Yeah. So it was just, what do you, um, how do you decide what rights are universal? Yeah, it's a really great question. And definitely not my particular expertise. Not that I maybe have a particular expertise at this <laughs> stage of my career, but I would say that like it's a topic that I'm interested in exploring more. What I would define to fall on that, what I would anticipate would to fall under that. I can name off like a couple of things that I feel like are particularly basic and uh, would sort of fall under this like basic need scope. And I have a feeling that we're probably talking about the different things, which is like, you know, have different information sources but essentially i you know health education housing social ability care i could go on for probably a while but i think those are some of the most basic that just come up immediately in terms of the ways in which maybe like international organizations contribute to those i do think is interesting i also think that i somewhat want to look at it from inductive perspective in the sense of wanting to see how right now those needs are being met, despite the fact that I feel like oh, like if it's the goal of international organizations to meet those or like enforce the meeting of those, I think that there's pretty clear arguments to see why that's not sufficiently being done globally. I think that's sort of where like I, I see schools as being like a really interesting weapon in this is, is being able to provide access to a lot of people in a concentrated area in a cost-effective way in the interim of being able to guarantee it to everyone through bigger international organizations, which I think is part of maybe a bigger, broader goal. But yeah, what do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'll talk about why I brought it up in the first place, and that's because in one of my classes, I brought this up, but I'm a sophomore in college. I'm studying political science. And one of my courses asked us to look over the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is something that the UN drafted. And so I found it interesting to see how there were different interpretations of that in terms of how people believed it should be revised, of how it should be implemented. So I think it's an interesting conversation to have just because what people perceive to be as, as a universal right is different in different parts of the world. Forming an answer to it, I don't know if I could do that right now for policy-wise, but I do know that one of the things I want to do is talk about how to access that information so that people could potentially form answers to it. And just like building off of that, what are some examples from your class that you saw as being particularly interesting in terms of how different people interpreted it? I think when we were asked to define what it means to have universal rights, everyone in the class had different opinions. There were some basic general agreements regarding food and water. I guess one of the conversations that I'd also like to have on policy-wise is about how to understand different structures different from the ones that we have here in the Western world and use that to better understand international issues. I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about the work you do when you're not here with us at PolicyWise and kind of how that ties into global politics and global issues. I think that this is a good like segue into that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's really exciting. I'm going to definitely toss the question back to you because already I'm getting to hear a little bit about what you're doing in terms of your classes. <laughs> and that sounds super interesting. Like, it's just great to have you be on the pulse of a lot of these conversations, particularly because... 
where I am now, you know, I'm not in a setting where it's just like 100% um, like getting fed information all the time, different types of information. So I'm learning in a lot of other ways we talked about before, but at the same time, it'll be super great to get to hear your perspective and what you're learning. But I sort of what I see the conversation turning to when you talk about what should be universal, what shouldn't be universal. I feel like I get to a point in that conversation where I'm thinking like, who's having these conversations about what should be universal and shouldn't be universal in terms of who's in the room, who's not in the room, most importantly, who's not in the room. And in that sense, I think I always end up turning education. And this is in the more formal sense, just knowing in the, or the ways in which policy often lets us influence different systems and provide information to people. So like thinking directly about like formal schooling, I do think that I end up commonly coming back to schooling as being just like this like powerful force for like letting people use the tools that they have and people growing their tools and being able to be part of the space where they decide what is universal and what's not universal. Because I think the problem often with these big organizations is to be so paternalistic. There's just like a balance there without having the proper representation in the room. Like you see across so many different spaces becomes a big issue. Then in terms of what I'm doing outside of policy-wise, yeah, I think it'd be great to give an update because yeah, I was like checking out my own sort of like resume the other day and I was like whoa I've been doing policy wise for so long now I initially started it was like just like finishing up undergrad so now I'm in a point where I am working on international education policy stuff so sounds super <laughs> relevant to what we're talking about but what I do for that is definitely more related to like the research side it's about digging through econ papers related to education and like pulling out lessons learned from that and then trying to like synthesize it in a digestible way to people who are interested and have are currently in positions where they can use that information to make changes to different programs and policies and so on and so forth. I sort of just started I guess I've been in this role now for a little over a half a year but definitely feels like I just started yeah it's just been a really really amazing experience so sort of what I've been doing I think the other side of it and what I've been mostly focusing on is also just like the main part of my job right now is figuring out how to generate more research in areas that there's not research yet. What about you, Mahek? What are you doing outside of school? What are you doing in school? The full rundown. First of all, it's always so exciting to hear about the work that you're doing because it's just a completely different perspective because it's like you've gone through college and now you have something to bring to the table. And so you're working with all this knowledge that you've gone from your degree and you're actually doing something with it. It's all applied now, um, whereas we're just kind of learning with no direction as of right now. So it's exciting to hear about. Right now... I am at my upper divs, which have been really interesting because they're so much more specialized now, and it's been pretty exciting. I think that when we're talking about bringing something to the table, I my goal is with my upper division classes to be able to find this specialized area that I can really dive into. But I think that if I had to describe what I'm trying to do right now, it would be trying to figure out what I do bring to the table. I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I do know that in addition to my upper divs, I've also been trying to take specialized courses in different subjects and tie it back to what I'm interested in. So there's been a little bit of data science, for example, tying that back to international issues, studying how to use information to better understand the impacts of certain events. There's also a just an econ class, general econ. I haven't taken an econ class since I was a senior in high school. So starting that again, there are a lot of people who just aren't in the room because they don't like there is a disparity there in terms of access to higher education. So I think that even at a school 
like Berkeley, which is so incredible and definitely more on the progressive end compared to a lot of other universities, there's still a lot of people who are missing from the conversation. But it was nice to see in this particular room that there was recognition of that. I think that part of where I'm at right now is learning how to have conversations in, a, in an impactful way that isn't counterproductive, that isn't that doesn't entertain um, ideas that shouldn't be entertained and is very respectful and cautious. Engage in topics and be open to self-reflection. Be open to the idea that you're not going to know everything and that's okay. I feel like there's a ton of stuff I want to talk to you about from what you just said. But I think like just in like first and foremost, when it comes to, I don't know, like good intentions and like what you bring to this podcast or to your classrooms or like whatever. I don't know. I just feel like this sort of goes back to what you were saying in terms of like people learn in so many different ways. I just feel like you bring so much here already. Like even if you feel like you're not an expert in the area, like you just have great ideas and you're bringing something, the, you know, the ability to touch on like international stuff in this space and like making that a prominent and making that a statement as something on the podcast. I think it's something super, super special and totally something that's unique in this specific setting. Potentially what's going to happen, and I don't really know, but like something that I've personally felt is like, I'm going to have to bring something different in each room that I'm in because I can be more valuable in different ways to those settings. So like in some areas, sometimes I'm like, maybe it would be less important for me to contribute ideas and I should just make sure everyone's having a good time. So like there's, you know, I just feel like there's, there's different ways to ensure that like progress is being made on the topics that you most care about. And you're going to have so many different opportunities and you have so much great knowledge and experience and you're getting so much more experience. There's a lot of people who want to do good. And sometimes that's a positive impact, but most of the time it's probably like neutral or negative. And I think there's like a lot to it. I also think it's on the spectrum of ways to, you know, do things. I feel like having good intentions is is pretty good. I was really interested in what you were saying in terms of like how to communicate information after an event. And I was hoping that maybe you could expand on that a little bit. I was also interested in hearing what you meant when you were saying that, like, you don't always want to speak up for the devil's advocate. I was wondering, you know, is that potentially a situation where you feel like people are giving equal priority and space to maybe arguments that are, like, neglectful and hurtful and, like, shouldn't even really have that much attention in the first place? Or do you feel like there's something different there? It's it's definitely a learning process. And I think that that's going to make this season so interesting because, I really want to take everybody on this learning process with me. And that's why all of my episodes are focused on like being informative. Like I want to do informative episodes and teach, but also kind of go on a journey with whoever's listening and focus on ways to actually learn more where you have that information and things like that. And so different different paths towards learning about political topics. And I also think that part of going on like that journey of learning is going to include when to not speak and when to instead have someone else on. And that's the nice thing about the podcast because when there are moments where I'm just, I just have to take a step back, I can bring someone on. And I agree with what you were saying. I think it's so important where it's, you talked about being in certain rooms and realizing like maybe it's not our place to, to add input right now. Maybe we can help by being there and like listening and just keeping our, our minds open to hearing different perspectives. That'll be really exciting to kind of focus on because I know that's a conversation that people have started now where it's like sometimes the most intelligent thing you can do is just listen. But I think that there are certain scenarios in which devil's advocate can be very harmful and invalidating of certain experiences. And so I think when we're entertaining, when we want to facilitate and encourage discussion of ideas, but in a way that is always respectful and cautious, uh, conscious of the of the experiences people have had and what they've been through. And so I think that navigating how to do that when we're talking about issues, especially international ones, I'd like to do a good job of in this season. 
to navigate storytelling during this during yeah. this episode, especially considering the fact that yeah. storytelling is – it's a conversation that's happening a lot right now because of the way that we're choosing to interact with media. Since, you know, 2016 onwards, there's been a huge conversation about news outlets and the way that we choose to mm-hmm. tell stories. And I think that's definitely going to bleed into conversations we have here on PolicyWise as we become yeah. more focused on inform- information and all of that. I do think so. And I think similar, maybe similar to some of the conversations we were having earlier about like who's in the room. I mean, essentially on this podcast, I, I want to talk through this with you because I feel like it'll just be important, I think, to set this standard. Like, I think it's something that like we've sort of come to terms with like while creating episodes, but also like I feel like haven't had a chance to explicitly address with like listeners is being like, this is a space where you have the opportunity to invite people to tell their stories and to like gain perspective but that comes with the understanding that a lot of the times that's coming with a lot more depth than it is breadth and like to figure out when that type of information is valuable versus other types of information and understanding how when it can be more useful than do we have you know the right guests are we having enough guests do we need to have more people are we getting the right perspective how much should i talk should i be asking questions am i asking the right questions am i um you know should i host at all like is that too much and like i think you know like should i should i push back and maybe to what you were saying like should i play devil's advocate just to play it or should i play devil's advocate because this is a claim that i i disagree with or you know how to sort of frame those different things i think will be really really interesting this season and i'm like excited for but I do feel like it's important for us and these are questions I know that we ask each other all the time and like ask ourselves all the time sort of sorting that out and being super intentional in these episodes is something that I'm excited for but also this this is a really good opportunity to sort of you know get better and better and making sure that we're doing the best job that we can no I feel the same way it'll set that standard for listeners too and so in terms of the ways you feel like you yourself absorb information, which like which sources do you feel like you get the most learning from? When it comes to getting information that I know is reliable, I go through news outlets and the news app, and I use the uh, the free New York Times prescription all Berkeley students get. Things like that. I try to really rely on news websites to get my information, not even just like their accounts on social media. That comes from instances where I'm really trying to get like specific information on events. When I'm not, I'll use these same news in Instagram accounts and use that to kind of just stay generally updated. It's an interesting question because people have been very against using social media to get information, rightfully so. There's been a lot of instances where social media has resulted in very problematic instances of misinformation. But I do think we're reaching a point where you can't avoid people finding information from social media or getting information through social media. So now it's a conversation on how to make social media a reliable place for information, hold people accountable for misinformation, and teach people how to interact with social media. Within the classroom, we get a lot of readings. So getting going through those that have been very fortunate to have peers who can bring in real experiences and real perspectives. And so I rely on that a lot too, just because telling uh, stories of experiences, sometimes it's only, actually most of the time, people from the group or people who are involved directly are the only ones who can notice the intentions behind word choice. In the sense that when we're looking at specific forms of discrimination, there's often like subtle structural forms that they take that have to do with word choice that 
you're not necessarily going to pick up on, but you are going to be impacted by. There have been a lot of students who have pointed out specific language that has this hidden meaning behind it that you may not necessarily be able to recognize without historical context. So I think using experiences is, is also really important, and it's been a, a huge privilege to be able to be in an environment like what we have at Cal and being able to actually have open discussions about experiences. I think that one thing I want to bring into policy-wise this season, though, is more of the readings that I've been doing more of the primary document readings. I was asked to read over the uh, the Lebanese constitution and the TIFE agreement. So I think in, in policy-wise, I'd like to start doing more of that. But I, I think that the information I've been getting has been a combination of those three things, news outlets, my peers, and then the readings were given. I would love an episode on that. <laughs> I would really benefit from that. I think that... You know, learning is just such, like, learning at this level, I just feel like is such a, you know, it's such a privilege, like, to be able to dedicate so much time towards personal investment and, like, self-improvement at the end of the day. Like, it's just such, it's so amazing, and it's really awesome to hear. I totally agree with you in terms of peers, because I like to talk to people a lot. Um, I think has always had like a super strong influence on how I think of things. And I don't think that's something that I necessarily want to stop. I think now, though, instead of being like, oh, should this like alter my central opinion? I feel a lot, maybe like a lot more settled in the way that I think about things, which I feel like in all is like a pretty malleable and I think pragmatic. I also think like it's a lot less malleable than maybe it was for like a long time. And I still kind of think I'm like, oh, should this change my own? Or like, how does this fit into the worldview? What are the different reasonings that we get there? I still I still feel that way. And I still think I process that way. But instead of being like, oh, no, like this messes up everything. I, I don't know where to place this information. It's being like, OK, good. This is now I know I know a little bit more about this person. I need to dig a little bit more about why they feel this way, because I'm not sure yet how this fits into worldview. But I, I think it's something that I want to try to grow up on even more this time around. I feel like sometimes like a bit removed from just like a lot of other really positive things, a lot of positive beliefs. And that's just a matter of like wherever you're, I feel like wherever I'm going to live, like there's always going to be, you know, people with different perspectives and things to bring. So trying to like actively look outside of my peers, is something that I, I want to try to do more of, I think this year, just in terms of being like, okay, cool. How can I, how can I better align these things? Try to get everyone on the same page eventually. I think like deep down, that's like my my goal. I think getting out there is is like a big part of it. I've been wanting to do an episode where we just go out on campus and get people's opinions on. I think social media is a great way to do that because for the longest time, specifically coming from like older generations, it was like, oh, don't use social media. Don't use, don't use it for news. You have to get it from like the sources themselves. I appreciate that. And I think that that is a habit I've tried to, nurture but i also recognize the fact that it makes more sense to now make social media a better place to access information i think the washington post does a pretty good job of this on tiktok they've got this account where they dive into issues but they do it within that same time restraint and they use the like the trending audios and all of that they still maintain that reliability element but they do so in a way that's relevant and i think that that's something i'd like to see more of i think that's a great example actually it's one of my favorite examples of people using a platform that is also known for misinformation i think this is like tiktok is 
the most recent form of, of social media, right? I remember there's this joke someone made that it's like, I used to make fun of my parents for like getting the most inaccurate information from WhatsApp. And then I realized I'm doing the same thing on TikTok. Like I'm just believing everything I see. <laughs> and so... um, Uh. I think that that's something we can definitely talk about because I think it's really interesting and it it would be interesting to talk about how like each social media platform has addressed it differently. I also think that in addition to these topics, you and I have been talking about just like a genuine love for learning. And I think it would be one of the main goals I'd like to have, uh, I have for this season is to get people to also love learning too, provide reasons for why they should also want to participate in productive discussion. I I think people sometimes feel as though the the political processes don't want them there or like they're not meant to be involved or it doesn't affect them or some combination of of that feeling of I don't need to be in the room. And I think in, in the same way that there are situations where you don't need to be the one talking, there are also ones where you do need to be the one speaking. And so I think kind of getting listeners to to be more engaged with topics will be really interesting. I've been thinking about this, but we're we're at that point um, right now at Berkeley where we're in student election season. I think in terms of international topics, we talk about global leaders and their impact and what they do while they're holding their position is important and what they do once they leave is also incredibly important. So I think kind of talking about that in an international sense and then maybe also talking to leaders in different levels where even in student government, what do you what do you do when you're like, yeah, like what do you what type of impact do you want to have? Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to talk, you know, especially to you about that. Because because, you know, you <laughs> like, yeah, it's so weird, you know, like Fresno State just didn't want to publish my book. It was just so strange. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no, like, I definitely think these conversations are related. And I think it's like, an, it would be really, really interesting to dive into. I just like going back to your first, where does like that love of learning come from? Jarrett, our lovely producer from the Youth Leadership Institute, what like we were like trying to set up this call like it wasn't working and I ended up talking to uh, this other person who was on the call for a while who was like helping the person that we were going to interview get all set up and she was just awesome and we were like talking and she was just like I just don't want to look stupid (laughs) and I was like oh my gosh yeah like that's a huge motivator like I I totally get that like I definitely super super like a huge motivator to like want to learn almost like retroactively being like "Uh oh I'm in a spot and like if I get put on the spot like I want to know what I'm talking about it like really got me thinking like about just like all the different reasons that I like to learn because I don't think I can narrow it down to like one specific thing you know I feel like there's just like natural inclinations of being like I want to know the truth like I want to know what is right and what is real so that I can make informed decisions about my life and the people's around me life who I impact and like there's just like this natural drive there And then I feel like there's like this like other drive, which is like, I want to know everything. Like I want to know everything I could possibly know about anything. Like I don't, I can be, if I could be an expert in everything, I would. But like, I want to know just like a little bit of everything so that I can just like be able to communicate with people, like no matter what the topic it is and just like have that be a way that I can like connect with people. So I think, you know, there's like that sort of motivation too. I'm not saying that any of these are like actually achievable, but these are like, you know, like they're like core sort of like to the back end, like extreme versions of the thoughts. I was just thinking about it in terms of student government where I was just like all the time, not all the time, because I don't think about it that often, but like anytime I think about like, wow, that was like just like so much responsibility that I had at that point in time. Like, I wish, I wish I knew 
what I know now. And I'm sure I'll say that again about my current role in a couple of years. But like, when's the right time to be in the room? Like, when do you need to like step up and be in the room? I don't ever want something to not be said because I didn't take advantage of the opportunity to learn about something and then something didn't get taken across, which I'm sure happens all the time in all my conversations because I'm not re- like going to be able to speak on this or that and do this or that. But like, I feel like it's like a huge motivator is just to try to be like, okay, how can I like better prepare myself to be in uh, like sort of these situations? And I think a lot of that really comes down to also being like understanding like, wow, I'm never going to know everything. And again, this is when it's like time not to talk or not to be in the room or like, you know, just having like humility over yourself. And I feel like it's something that I wish turning back to leadership that we saw more of, like just like this matter of humility. Incredible point and an almost perfect place for us to to wrap this introduction episode off because the reality is that ignorance is inevitable in a world with structural racism and, and problems. And so the conversation needs to start of what we do when we encounter that ignorance. What comes next? When like what what do we do to address ignorance? How do we move forward from it? Um, and I think the key to that is obviously education. And so I, I'd love to kind of make combating ignorance and prioritizing learning and, and moving forward from ignorance a, a central part of this season. I think it'd be so great for us to just set the standard for what productive conversations could look like. And I am very hopeful that that's something we'll be able to do this season. Me too. I'm excited. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's conversation. We are super excited for season four. We hope to hear from you, get a lot of feedback from you, and hope that you engage with us on all of our platforms. Looking forward to a wonderful season. Thanks for listening to PolicyWise. I'm Ellie Arsbecker, and today's episode was hosted by Mahek Kondru and Demi Wack, produced by Jarrett Ramones and Cody Stobig, and was edited by Rachel Livenall. PolicyWise is a production of Youth Leadership Institute. If you want to find more great youth content, check out yli.org, and be sure to subscribe to PolicyWise on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In big announcement time, this will be the final season of PolicyWise. It has been such a great ride. Thank you to all of our amazing guests. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners. To discuss this episode, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PolicyWisePod and hashtag your discussions with hashtag PolicyWise. See you next time for more youth voice and policy discussion on PolicyWise.